It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. The pitch from Garcia swung on it, a high fly ball lifted to left. This would carry back to the warning track, and you can say goodnight to him. Jalen Flores, first collegiate hit is Jalen Flores' first collegiate home run. Working from the windup, Garcia's pitch swung on, and that is hit through on the right side of base hit. Campbell will score, rounding third quarter round of the plate. He will score. Jack O'Dowd with a two-run single has given the Longhorns their first lead of the season. Texas is up 3-1. to one. Here's the pitch. Swung on, and that's lined in the left field of base hit. Gilman scores from third. Stopping at second base is O'Dowd. Mitchell Daly with an RBI single, and it's 4-1 Texas. Texas leading 5-1 and a 2-2 to Kennedy. Here's the pitch. Swung on and driven deep to right field. Going back is the right fielder Johnson at the wall. It's off the top of the wall. One run will score. Two runs will score. Three runs will score. Kennedy on his way to third. He's in there with a triple. A bases clearing triple for the senior Eric Kennedy. And it's 8-1 Texas. Horn fans to their feet. Deplantier ready. And the 3-2 pitch. Lined in the shallow left center field. The shortstop, Jane Deplantier, goes out, leaps and makes the catch. And that's the ball game. It's your final score. Texas 12, the Islanders 2. Inbounded to Jones right at midcourt against Bishop. Trying to drive past CB. Stops, spins. Might have gotten away with a travel dump that to Kouser left side. Pass to Jones. Knocked out of his hands by Bishop. Boy, Christian really coming to play here early. To the left side. He goes to Allen. Cross-court pass. Cutting him in the corner. Carr to rise up for three. It's good. Marcus buries the three ball. His first bucket. Texas on a 10-0 run has taken a 14-10 lead. Carr in the corner. Here's a three-pointer. Hunter, good. Tyrese knocks it down. Longhorns needed that. They go back up seven at 28-21. Tyrese still looking to the left side. Bishop shot fake on a three. Picks it up now. To a cutting Hunter off the glass. What a pass. Christian Bishop in the Tyrese Hunter who laid it off the glass for two. Marcus now trying to circle through traffic down the lane in the corner. Hunter wants another three. Has another three. Twelve first half points for the former Iowa State Cyclone. Tyrese Hunter and the Longhorns lead by 12. 33-21. Rice well out away from the bucket. Five to shoot. Sends it out of Cunningham. NBA range. Three and he nails it. Wow. What a time for that. Cunningham hits his first shot of the night. And the Longhorns are back up 17. 50-33. Shooting high on the left wing. Drops it to Jaron Holmes. On the left side. Cardinal switch by Bishop. He lost the dribble. Picked up by Cunningham. The run out to Allen. Good night. Slam dunk in for Timmy. Just like that, the Longhorns are back up 17 at 67.50. Inbounded to Mitchell. That's going to do it. The Texas Longhorns now are 22-6, and 11-4 in Big 12 Conference play, and they remain tied for first place with three games to go in the regular season. Final score tonight from Moody Center here in Austin. The Texas Longhorns 72, the Iowa State Cyclones 54. Big day, big evening for Longhorn 
baseball and men's basketball. Thanks certainly to our producer, Cameron Parker, for, as he always does, deftly constructing a highlight montage of the day's events yesterday, which included Longhorn baseball garnering win number one of the 2023 season. And then, of course, the Longhorn men's basketball team garnering win number 22 of the 2022-2023 campaign. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Now, uh, my name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Uh, I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, a proud graduate of Florence High School, where they knew him as Highway 79 when he wore the purple and white for the Florence Buffaloes. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. Uh, although, uh, like I said, I'm joined by Jeff, but uh, the fact that I pointed out that Jeff is uh, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, I'm not far from where that pride was developed. No. How, how far How far are you from 195, Craig? Uh I'm a mile and a half in the neighborhood. So if you really wanted to, you could walk to 195 right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. A- absolutely. Even if I wanted to take the long way and go out the back way and come out Shell Road. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the back side of Berry Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could do it that I could do it that way as well. But, yeah, it's just easier to go down, uh, uh, you know, Berry Creek uh, road that I go down there. The, re- the, the, the What we're leading to on all of this is that <laughs> I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually in the domicile. Uh, this morning, there were there were a lot of things uh, that I was taking care of some uh, some uh, issues and some meetings and some things like that. I've got a couple of zooms and some stuff with some committees and stuff I'm doing the uh, this afternoon, and it was going to be a little bit tight, but it was already work. But I'll tell you what changed in my mind: our good friend Don Miller. This morning on the traffic reports, he talked about it being an uh, an almost unmitigated disaster. He, his words were worst possible scenario. <laughs> <laughs> if you were coming out of Georgetown because of major uh, wrecks and tie-ups on both of the major southbound arteries, it's always crowded. We know that's a slog going down 35 through Round Rock. That's that's a given. But it was even more so. It, and uh, there was a wreck, he said, I believe at 1431, that backed it up all the way to Highway 29. You think about that for a moment. That's from, a now, from where to where again? From 1431 on I-35. Yeah. From 1431 all the way back to Highway 29 in Georgetown. That's a good five, six miles? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jeez, man. So then you add to that uh, the escape route that all of us take when that happens is to go down to 130, right, and then loop back across on 45. It's a little bit going around the garage to get to the barn, but but it's okay, except when they have a big wreck on that, which was near 45, he said, near toll 45. And the backup on that was way back a few miles north. So given all of that factored in uh, with and with my schedule today, and I did have the broadcast equipment with me coming off the uh, Texas win last night, I thought, you know what? I can be much more productive if I just set up here at the home and and have their – you were coming from the south, which is never a picnic, no. uh, I might add. And, you know, and I'm sure you had to slog through a little well, bit today. Yeah, I just had to redirect and, and take the toll road, which was fine. But I've told you and Cameron this, like the the, the worst part of my drive on a daily basis is yeah. seriously, it's becoming that area between 
like Walsh, Walsh Charlton and West Bank is becoming that's the, weird. seriously, it's, that's becoming the longest part of my morning commute. And I don't know oh. why it just, it's just happened like pretty, just in the last couple of weeks, you know, it's been that uh, way. when, when my, uh, when my newlywed bride, uh, worked for the Eanes ISD, she, she noted, you know, how, how bad it was when you were coming down 360 right through that area. Mm-hmm. And, and she'd be coming from the opposite end, you know, right. from the B cave side and how bad it would be and all that kind of stuff. But the other thing she noticed, now you would not notice this unless you were walking across 360 at West Bank. Now, you just mentioned West Bank, uh, that intersection. She says that where she used to have to park and would walk across and would take that, you know, and you push the button for the crosswalk. And and would come on, and and you know when you go to a crosswalk, and you hit the thing, it'll go, wait, wait, yeah, wait, mm-hmm. and then it'll go, uh, something like, please cross the intersection now, or something like that. It'll say afterwards. Right. She says, and sure enough, I went and I heard it myself one day when I had when I went over to Westlake, um, that the voice on the on the box there on the crosswalk goes. Wait to cross West Bank. So <laughs> that's what it says. It's a dude's voice. Wait to cross West Bank. Was it James Vanderbeek doing a terrible Texas accent? You know what? That probably would be it. That's a great <laughs> guess. James Vanderbeek doing a terrible Texas accent. I can I see that. I don't want yeah. your life. None of us talk that. I love that movie. None of us talk that way. <laughs> None of us do. And come on, show of hands out there. How many of us dudes, and you were a high school football player, how many of you dudes out there actually encountered a whipped cream bikini? Come on now. I, I can honestly say I never did. Yeah. That's, that's one of those ur- urban legends. It's a, it's a ruse. Yeah. Be hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok, led astray. That's his, that's his, uh, that is as unbelievable that you can't, it, that is, it, you can't really accept that unacceptable and unbelievable as the playoff bracket that came up in the movie Friday Night Lights. Man, you're going to forever it's going to be on your tombstone when you leave this earth, Craig. Tell beloved him. husband, father, brother, son, brought, you know, some about voice of the Longhorns Hall of Famer and then at the very bottom I'll make sure they put and hated just about everything with the Friday Night Lights movie. <laughs> I, I I understand the 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 taking the creative Hollywood liberties with the storyline. I get it. Even though the story itself just told accurately enough would have been more than enough. I get that. But the details, get the de- it didn't, wouldn't hurt you to do the proper playoff bracket. They call that cre- create, creative license, Craig? Boy, is that what they call real, that? Real creative license. Hey, that's man. why they say based on a true or inspired by true inspired events. Inspired by. Kind of yeah. like Cocaine Bear. It's inspired by true events. Boy, that's really a stretch too. That Cocaine Bear would be inspired by. <laughs> well, like we were talking about though, like the, the, the real the, the real story with Cocaine Bear wouldn't make a it, the movie wouldn't be very long. No, because the bear died. <laughs> it wouldn't it, be right. over in about fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, what was it? They, all the stuff: renal failure, brain hemorrhaging, uh, heart stoppage, all the stuff that would happen to you or I or or, or our producer yeah. Cameron Parker if we if we. Uh, to our body mass, consumed as much cocaine as that bear did. Yogi Yogi had a pretty pretty rough exit from this world. Yeah, movie's coming out soon. 
Friday. Yeah, if it's coming Friday's up today, yeah. day. Friday's yeah, Friday, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cam Parker is our, our producer. I, I forgot. Were you on board with this, Cameron? If 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 Jeff and I are headed out to see Cocaine Bear, that you would that you would go with us on this deal, or is it just too too disbelievable for you? No, I'm in a hundred percent. Okay, hundred percent. Okay, this makes me happy. <laughs> I'm sure that it probably does. It's probably the last performance we'll see Ray Liotta in, right? So you kind of have to yeah. go to pay tribute um, to him. I think he, he so. did two things right around the same time, didn't he, Jeff? Yeah, Ray, the I, late think, Ray Ray I think he's got. Yeah, I think he's got some other side projects coming out, some other stuff coming out. Yeah. Maybe, but the, the question is, yeah. is it, were they filmed? before I don't know you know before cocaine bear that's like the Beatles you know the Beatles the last album that was released by the Beatles was the let it be album that's not the last one they recorded the last one they recorded was Abbey Road but they released a hey Jude compilation album a few months after that and then let it be after that but the last thing they recorded and you can see it in that the, you know in the in the uh, Peter Jackson documentary and the Get Back documentary, the last thing they did was well, what were called the Get Back sessions, but that's when they were putting together. So, yeah, so record. apparently based on what I'm seeing after throwing this into the Google machine, Cocaine yep. Bear was, the, was Israel Liotta's last movie. He was scheduled to start filming another movie before he passed, but apparently okay. never filmed that la- that other movie. Okay, so we'll we'll get to see, uh, you know, Ray Liotta's last works then. Okay. That's Co- reason enough to go. Cocaine bear. Yeah, on, on cocaine bear. That's so reason freaking enough. Freaking excited. I know you're fired up about that. Uh, I'm, I'm on. You know what? I I might be more excited for cocaine bear than I was for snakes on a plane. And that's saying a lot. Because yeah. when snakes on a plane came out, I was. Given your affinity for Samuel L. Jackson and his fine work, I may or may I may or may not have swiped that DVD when I worked at Blockbuster. I can't confirm or deny uh, that. But. I forgot that you worked at Blockbuster. Yeah, I was a Blockbuster employee. In Colleen, was it? No, I worked at the one in Georgetown. Uh, okay. I worked at the one in San Marcos for a hot minute, and I finished up at the one in Buda. By the, it used to be by the HEB. Where was the one in Georgetown? Since uh, all these had long gone long before I became a resident. Kind of your neck of the woods. Uh, well, the uh, HEB right there on D.B. Wood Road, it was in the sh- it was in that shopping center. Wow, I forget, really? I forget what's there now. Yeah, it's a little ways down from the HEB. Uh, is there a subway still in that shopping center? I think so. And okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Right, yes, so there it is. Was like, yeah. It was like either next door or a couple doors down from the subway right there in that shopping center. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, it's the shopping center. It's on down from the HEB, on yeah. down there where mm-hmm. the Twin Liquors is. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and there's a cleaners there. There's a yes, UPS sir. store there that we've had to use and, and all of that. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, there are a lot of things to get to. Uh, on the program today, obviously. Uh, and by the way, more, Craig, real yes. quick, uh, we're getting a lot of texts on the Specs text line, 337-3776, and I've even gotten some Twitter feedback. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of people agreeing with you. They're not happy with the way uh, the bracket played out in Friday Night Lights. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look, Jesuit College Prep is now a UIL program, has been for a few years now, Jesuit and Strike Jesuit. They're the only private schools in it, but they were not – in 1988, and there they are in the bracket, <laughs> and, and and it was just it was just like they just threw a bunch of names up on the bracket and said, "Play this team, play that team, blah blah blah." Wind up playing Carter in the state championship at the Astrodome. A, they didn't play Carter in the state championship. They played him at then Memorial Stadium, now DKR, in Austin, and uh, and and B, it wasn't the championship; it was a semifinal. 
because Carter won that, and then Carter won, of course, the next week over Converse Judson later to be stripped of that title uh, because of the whole grade thing, and we all know about that, and the what Carter lost documentary, uh, ESPN 30 for 30, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, details. Just get some – Historical accuracy on that's all I'm. That's asking. why. That's why I, they I, brought. I, you, that's why they brought you in for the thirty for thirty, Craig. They needed to make it right. <laughs> that part, they Adam Hudnick and his group got right on that on that yeah. on that Carter, uh, uh, thirty for thirty. That was was really well done. Not because I was in him, but but because uh, the he painstakingly worked on that. I, I think he worked on it for three years. Uh, getting details right and all that other stuff. Had had the great Randy Galloway do the uh, the the narration, you know, at the start yeah. and then at the end. And a couple of it was it was good. It was it was it's one of the better ESPN thirty for thirties. I love Pony Excess. Uh, uh, that's in my top. Uh, that's in my top group of uh, yeah of docs. Uh, listen, Survive in Advance is outstanding. Linda enjoyed that. It it brought her to tears. The U the U was great. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The U that was another. You know, there's several really good. The Fab Five. Uh, oh, there yeah, was, Fab Five was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there were several. They've done a lot of good ones, and then some are like, yeah, okay. Oh, the, remember the one? Uh, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it was something like basketball for the mob or playing about the point shaving oh, thing. Oh yeah, Boston College. Um, I I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that was really good. Four yeah. days in October so, is, I think, my favorite one besides the USC one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless we forget, you know, uh, uh, the the Trojan Horse documentary too. Unless we USC. forget, Craig has been in two thirty for thirty documentaries. All right. Uh, anyway, there are things. The other you should things put that on a business to. card, Craig. Sure. Been right. In two yeah, that'll for 30 work. Ducks. That and four seventy five will get me a latte <laughs> at Starbucks. Which, by the way, we have a Starbucks related story. It's not just related. It's a Starbucks. Uh, centered story and inconceivable coming up. Hey, Craig, I've got so an inconceivable too that uh, deals with the sports memorabilia world, and it involves an old friend of yours. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I have a a, a a memorabilia auction item, not sports related, but I know it always kind of piques your interest when you hear what the value is placed on some of these items. So. That that'll come up as well. So there's a lot to uh, to let you know uh, about that. Um, okay, so uh, you were at both baseball and basketball. I was at both baseball and basketball. Mm-hmm. I had to leave a little earlier than you did uh, to get. By the way, for folks who may have been wondering, uh, you know, you heard those highlights. I was there through uh, the third inning when Texas had taken the four-one lead, and then our good friend Tom Barfield uh, carried it the rest of the way. Uh, through that, so that was Tom's call on the Eric Kennedy bases clearing triple, and then the final out of the game. Um, Tom will join us again this weekend. The Indiana series. Ty Harrington and I have the call on Friday night. Tom and lifetime Longhorn Nathan Thornhill will have the Saturday call, and then Nate will join me on Sunday uh, for the third game of that. Indy. I'll be up in Waco. Obviously, are you going to Waco? Saturday? I am not because we've got uh, my daughter's birthday party on Saturday. Oh wow! So she turns five. Turns five. Actually, wow. turns turns five tomorrow. Party's on Saturday. But yeah, don't don't remind me that. Wow, it's that that went by fast. Yes, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, it did. So uh, that's what I mean. Blink of an eye. We start kindergarten in in yeah. August, Craig. Listen, next thing <laughs> you know, you'll look up. 
and you'll have a kid at age 33 asking you for tickets to a Longhorn basketball <laughs> game. That really happened two days ago. So, yeah. That's great. He, he was at the game last night. So, um, anyway, uh, you were at both baseball and basketball, mm-hmm. and, and I was as well. And uh, we do have a Longhorn notebook coming up. We're going to hear from Rodney Terry. We're going to hear from the oft-discussed Tyrese Hunter. And uh, and then the, between the two Longhorn notebooks and whatever else we want to sprinkle it in, David Pierce has thought. So we have all of that, and we can drop that in with uh, with the things you have on tap for Longhorn Notebook as well, Jeffrey. Yeah, uh, actually, I just wanted to recap baseball and uh, and hoops, so yep. we'll just mix it all okay. together. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, do on that. By the way, uh, okay, so uh, so the Longhorns get the win and uh, an, another great environment last night. And uh, and then uh, th- this is the time of year where get ready for it, Jeff, where I'm constantly perusing the bracketological prognostications. Ching, so, there we go. Yeah, there we go on the bingo card. Uh, this morning, pretty interesting. Um, the uh, the first team out on Joe Lenardi's bracket watch, and I know you you check out Jerry Palms. You know, uh, Jerry used to come on the program with me from time to time to do this. Now that we kind of have a CBS extended family member, uh, you know, as a co-host of the show. You want me to ex- extend the olive branch? See Reach if, out a little if, bit? Yeah. See if uh, Jerry might be interested in joining us. Make that happen. Uh, I'd love to, get, love to get his thoughts on it as well. But um, as far as Lenardi goes, the, the first team out uh, – is is North Carolina, and the last team in is Wisconsin, uh, uh, and uh, so uh, in the last four buys, meaning not having to play in Dayton, he's got Oklahoma State and West Virginia both there. Interesting in that they both played; they played one another on Monday night, a game that West Virginia had to win. So Oklahoma State into that last four buys, the last four in Nevada, Mississippi State, USC, and Wisconsin, they would be in Dayton. First four out. North Carolina, Charleston, New Mexico, and Utah State, and the next four out, Oregon, Arizona State, Penn State, and, wait for it, Texas Tech. Yeah, the Red Raiders are climbing. They're Uh, playing their way to the bubble right now. uh, Jerry's, and by the way, you can go to CBSSports.com, Jerry Palms, Bracketology. Jerry's got a little bit different, so his first four, which are his last four in, Mississippi State, USC, New Mexico, West Virginia – and, and if you look at West Virginia, like they're 32 in the net, like their West Virginia's metrics will be there as long as they've got a respectable number of wins at the end of the year. Uh, his first four out Wisconsin, Penn State, Wake Forest, North Carolina. So basically, he's got North Carolina on on the cusp between first four out and next four out. Wow, and a lot of these are close. You mentioned Wisconsin, USC, you know, on that, and New Mexico. Uh, those are all really, really close. I think you're right about that. And then here's the other thing. West Virginia plays Kansas on Saturday. Now, they're playing them at Allen Fieldhouse. Right. And and folks are not going to expect the Mountaineers to win. But if they win that game, I think they're all but in at that point. That That is a huge signature win if they can win that game. Now, uh, you know, we'll see what happens over the final two games and in the tournament. But they're they're awful close if they win that game. I think that's for certain. Um, uh, West Virginia right now, let me check it out real quick, Craig. Check out the yep. updated net. So West Virginia right now, 26 yeah. in the net. Uh, they've got five quad one wins. So if they get to six quad one wins uh, and one of those is Kansas, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think they would be on the road at that point. Yeah. yeah. 
it'd be something else. Um, Texas A&M's win over Tennessee last night in College Station. Big for the Aggies, uh, according to Lenardi, on the rise now up to an eight seed. Adam is a ten seed a week ago, up to an eight seed now. Now, Jerry updates his every Monday, so Lenardi's going to be a little bit ahead of him. But coming into the week, he had the Aggies as a ten seed, so I imagine if he'd updated it this morning, probably would have been probably would have been similar. Yeah, yeah. As far as the rest of the Big Twelve goes, uh, Lenardi still having Texas as a two, and uh, has Baylor as a two, Uh, and uh, then Iowa State uh, has as a three. But we'll see if that gets affected by the loss last night. Uh, also, uh, obviously, Kansas still is a one. Uh, Oklahoma State, I mentioned, is an 11. West Virginia as a 12 uh, out of that. Uh, TCU is a six out of that. K-State is a three. And they certainly did themselves no harm last night with that win over Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for folks who are asking, um, the the Big 12 conference race is not yet, not yet, officially a two-team race. Baylor still has a shot, and, uh, you know, it, you know they, they still have a shot. If they beat Texas and, uh, and then Texas were to beat Kansas, uh, they could wind up in a three-way tie for that conference title, and Baylor would have a split with both Kansas and Texas. Uh, if, if the Longhorns were to beat Baylor in Waco on Saturday, that would eliminate the Bears and would also eliminate K-State. K-State is a very a minor chance on the outside looking in. But a Texas win on Saturday would officially make it a two-team race, mathematically would make it a two-team race. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we know the Longhorns have this, this grueling stretch of games in Waco, in Fort Worth, and then at home against Kansas. So things are far from settled, which, by the way, Jeff, made last night's win over Iowa State all the more important. Yeah, you couldn't. You, you couldn't suffer a sweep. You know, you couldn't get, you couldn't lose a regular season series. And and Texas, pending the the outcome of the Kansas game, won't. They'll have a chance to make that right. They're at least going to split with Baylor and TCU. But I, I really think you've got to sweep one of those teams. I don't know, Craig, that it matters all that much which one it is because, like right now, when you look at the net, Baylor's twelve, TCU's twenty two. So in terms of a a quad one road win, it's going to count the same. Um, yeah. I just think you need to win one of those two, give yourself a chance to at least get a share of it going into the Kansas game. Now, I agree with you on all of that. The one area where it would matter, and eh, and you can even dis- debate whether it really even matters that much. Uh, I heard Aaron talking about this. He said, if, and, and this is exactly right, that if Texas wins one of those two games, regardless of what happens in the other game, and if we are to expect Kansas to win both of its home games over West Virginia and Texas Tech, a reasonable expectation, if that were to happen, Kansas would be up one game coming into the Irwin Center on March 4th. If Mm -hmm. Texas were to win that game, they would tie for the conference championship. Now, what Aaron said was, he said, I don't know how the Big 12 would decide it. Well, I do know. Uh, You'd go to the tiebreaker. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head. They would have split that. The next would have been how you did against the teams below you as it stands. The team, uh, Baylor's going to finish ahead of TCU in the standings. Mm-hmm. So toward that end, a Texas win in Waco would actually be more beneficial than a Texas win in Fort Worth. Well, there you go. Because yeah. the next tie break would be how did you do against the teams below you. It looks like either Baylor or Kansas State is going to finish third or fourth. Uh, Iowa State could possibly 
Uh, but Texas has a split with them. Uh, they would have a they would have a sweep of Baylor at that point. I uh, you know Kansas has a split with Baylor as well, and uh, they have a split with Kansas State just like Texas does. So uh, really, it comes down to whether Baylor finishes ahead of Iowa State. And as it turns out, they play each other the last game of the year, and they play in Waco. How about this, Jeff? You know, we were talking about the OU game last Saturday. Man, it's been a long time since they played Oklahoma. New Year's Eve in the afternoon. Yeah, Baylor and Iowa State played that day as well to open conference play. They played their first conference game against each other on December 31st, and they'll play their last conference game against each other on March 4th. Man. So in two and a half months uh, for that, well, a little over two months since since they would have played and uh, it's, and and so that game could have something riding on it as well. But uh, you know, if you talk to Rodney Terry and you talk to the players, they'll say, "Look, you know, each game as it comes," and they understand the grind of that. Speaking of which, coming up, we will uh, have our Longhorn Notebook. We'll hear from Rodney Terry coming up. We're also going to hear from Tyrese Hunter. Uh, we'll hear uh, today. We'll also hear from David Pierce, uh, Longhorns baseball coach. We'll do that. Uh, we've got the Longhorn Notebook coming up. We do have Inconceivable later this hour. We've got a lot to get to today, even if I am up in far northern Williamson County. Not far northern. Far northern would be y- your favorite uh, climb, Gerald. Yeah, we don't want to go that far. You don't want to go that far north. That's <laughs> as far north as you can get in, in a community and be in Williamson County. Uh, and, uh, and But I'm in northern Williamson County uh, at the home today, Jeff, down in – uh, the ARN Compound Studios, along with our producer, Cameron Parker. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a deuce, another runner in the night. Little 70s rock for you here on a Wednesday morning. That is actually a cover. That's, uh, if I remember how they were calling themselves by then, Manfred Mann's Earth Band. What are they saying in the hook right there, Craig? Because it always sounds like wrapped up. I know what you think it's. It always sounds like wrapped up like a douche. Yeah, but that's not it. It's revved up like a douche, like a douche coupe. Revved up like a douche. And you want to hear it sound a little clearer than the Manfred Mann uh, Earth Band. You know, Manfred Mann back in the 60s did Do Wah Diddy. You know, that's a, but, but this is Manfred Mann's Earth Band. 1977 with Blinded by the Light. The It's a cover. Song was written and recorded by none other than the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Really? Okay. Yeah. You should listen to the... the, the, the I got nothing against Manfred Mann and See, or listen, Manfred look, listen. Mann, Just listen to this, Cam. Tell me yeah. what you think it sounds like. Wrapped up like a douche. Yeah, it's it's a. I remember when I was in high school, next door neighbor kid was singing it and said his mom smacked him in the mouth for saying <laughs> it like that. It, but it's revved up like a deuce. Okay, so that, that's what it is. It's it. Yeah. All of these lyrics, and there are more, by the way. In the Springsteen version, and and you can hear it much more clear I'll when the boss is singing. Yeah. Oh yeah, by That's, the way, I, I like uh, the version. Better. 
Jeez, can yeah. we punt Chris Mad Dog Russo into the sun? Gosh. <laughs> Mad Dog up in New York. Mad Dog. Know who finds that entertaining? Stop. Just, yeah. I'm mad that we have the TV on on it in the studio. You like it when he yells at you, right? I actually wish yells at you. I actually wish Bucky would leave it on Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman or Matt Lock or whatever <laughs> uh, he's watching in the mornings. Yeah, right, right. Little House on the Prairie or whatever it is. <laughs> um, you know, um, he's it, that's that New York angry, anger based. Uh, the brand of sports talk plays well in New York and Philly and Boston and some places. We ain't, we ain't got time for that here. Yeah, we don't. What we do have time for right now is our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. See if she can do uh, for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get that home loan approval for this little place where I'm sitting in right now. The approval done in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that home loan 10-day approval guarantee a reality. Check her out on the web at BowersockTeam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, BowersockTeam.com. Your impression, before we get to the sound from Rodney Terry uh, and, and also from Tyrese Hunter, how about your, your thoughts, your impressions on the game last night, Jeff? My general impression was that game played out the opposite of how the game of names played out. Go back and yes, watch that game in January. Go back and look at it. I mean, Iowa State was the more aggressive team. They were the more physical team. They were the more assertive team. Uh, the tougher team. They shot the ball better. They sped Texas up. They controlled the pace. And I thought Texas did all of those things last night. They controlled the pace. Uh, T.J. Otzelberger said the same thing that we've heard uh, Porter Mosier and several other coaches say that have had to play Texas. The, when they when they are in their when they are in their element and they are able to consistently put pressure on the ball, that's what makes them so tough to deal with, because of their ability to score off turnovers. Because once once they get in two on ones, three on two situations, now the athleticism takes over and you're getting run out buckets. And what was the final? I'm trying to find the final tally left from last night on uh, points off turnovers. I want to say it was something like. 26 points off of 16 turnovers, 28 points off of 16 turnovers yeah. last night. That was a big thing for me, Craig, was Texas controlled the pace. Tyrese Hunter, I mean, not just because he scored 15 points on 5-for-9 shooting, was 3-for-5 from 3, but I thought Tyrese Hunter did the maybe the best job he's done all year with the ball in his hands of controlling the pace and allowing Texas to dictate the terms of the game when they had the ball. I just thought Tyrese Hunter – Everything he did last night, both ends of the floor, but above all else, controlling the pace. I thought he was phenomenal last night. Yeah, and got out of the gates quickly at 12 in the first half, 15 in the ball game. Obviously, Jabari Rice continues to play very, very well. He had 15 points uh, off the bench. Marcus Carr had 13. But it was about the defense because I think you'll agree with me on this, Jeff. The, you know, the Longhorns played maybe their best first half of the season. I said that uh, 10 days ago, the West Virginia game. But this, and Rodney asked him about, and you'll hear it uh, coming up in the conversation. He agreed maybe last night was even better by the totality of the game. But uh, but even with that, you think about the second half. The Longhorns were sluggish uh, in the second half uh, starting off. But through the first six minutes, really, they didn't even score a point in, the, in nearly the first four minutes. Mm -hmm. But they only gave up two during that time. So the defense continued to make a big difference. 
for them uh, in in holding off Iowa State. I thought that was that was very very important. The other thing in the second half that really helped too, and I asked RT about this after the game. I don't know if you and Eddie got it got it to got it addressed in, in your post game chat or not, but. You look at that game, that's one of the better offensive rebounding games Texas has had this year. If 14 offensive boards, eight of those came in the second half, and there were several possessions, Craig, where even though they were ultimately empty possessions without a score, you burned so much clock time off because you're able to get an offensive rebound, whether you think about that long rebound of Arterio Morris, Dylan Mitchell had a couple of tough offensive rebounds, so did Dylan DeSue, Christian Bishop had a couple. Uh, those offensive rebounds, they're able to extend possession, they're able to burn clock to where it's like you looked up halfway through the second half, you're like, there's no way Iowa State has enough time to come back because Texas used right. so much time on the offensive end of the floor. Like I said, even though they're not scoring, you're just it's it's almost like when you're trying to bleed the clock at the end of a football game, right? You can have uh you can have a double digit play drive even though it doesn't score, man. If you punt, you just the, the offense just doesn't have enough time to do anything with it. I I, th- I think that that on, on that played into it, but also to your point about how good the defense was last night, there's no fact more evident in that you you look at how texas did last night shooting the ball in the second half they were 10 for 26 in the second half they were 9 for 23 at one point finished 10 for 26 shooting in the second half iowa state never got closer than 13 at any point in the second half mm-hmm. that game was never That's closer right. than a 13 point game no and, and and when iowa state got it down to 13 texas immediately spotted with a 6-0 run yeah and and then and then that was that. So after the game, uh, Eddie R and I uh, had our usual post game conversation with Longhorns head coach, interim head coach Rodney Terry. Ten days ago, we said the first half against West Virginia might have been the best first half to basketball that your team played this year. This one might have been better. No, I, I think so. And I said that to our guys at halftime, guys. We just a couple of days ago, we even said, you know, I, I still think the sky's the limit for this team because we hadn't put together our best basketball yet in terms of when we played a complete game where we were clicking on all cylinders on offense and defense. And we came pretty close to that in the first half. I thought we really sat down guard. We forced those guys into turnovers, made them very uncomfortable. And then we did a great job of shooting the basketball. I think we had nine threes at the front and a half. And I think we only had, I think we had like four turnovers at the half. Two of those were just kind of casual turnovers. But uh, I thought we thought we did a really good job executing the first half. In the second half, when things were a little sluggish offensively, I thought it was important that the defense really held the ground all along. Yeah, we continued to guard, you know, and that's the thing that we're, we're challenging this group with right now. Um, we know that there, this team can score in a variety of ways. Um, you know, it's just all trying to make our defense elite. Um, you know, this time of year, you're going to continue to play teams that, that have really good defenses and, all, and can also score as well. So we have to continue to hone in on our defense and really try to make it elite. And I thought, again, we came out and guarded really hard the first four minutes uh, to start the half. We just got a little sluggish with our with our half-court execution offensively. I, I'm sure the, the media and the press conference are going to ask you about whether you had to say anything, whether you did say anything to Tyrese before the game, but he really did come out just zeroed in. Not only the total game, I thought, on both ends of the floor. Well, I thought even up at their place, I thought he did a great job just handling himself the right way, even with the Rutgers crowd and their chanting every time he touches the basketball. He had a real stone face approach up there, and I thought he still had that same kind of approach here in terms of, you know, not only the opponent we were playing, but just knowing that obviously it's a big game for us because this time of year right now, you're playing for something. Rodney, talk about the speed, your pressure, and how your pressure made them speed up. I thought you really sped, speed their game up offensively and forced them into some bad shots. Yeah, you know, you know up there at their place, we, we only had seven forced turnovers the entire game. And we knew in order to try to win this game against these guys, we need 15 or more here at home. 
Uh, we did a great job at the half. I think we had those guys turned over 11 times at the half. And uh, I can't remember what we ended up finishing with in terms of turnovers for those guys. But uh, they ended up with uh, 16. We wanted 15 or more. 15 or more was our goal for the game. We knew if we did that, we'd be in great shape. Uh, how about these next few days now? A Tuesday game, so a little bit of extra time before you have to head up to Waco on Friday. Well, I guys just need to recharge right now. We got to try to, I got to try to give them a complete day off from everything right now to just kind of, again, keep that body fresh and keep our recovery where we need it right now, and not have these guys mentally uh, or physically fatigued right now. So we're going to take the day off tomorrow and. We'll get back to our preparation come Thursday and Friday for a really good uh, Baylor team over in Waco. Is that that recovery thing you and I were talking about in pregame? Yeah, you got to gotta be. I mean, this time of year, we played Saturday. We came back in and did a little bit of stuff on Sunday. We're back at it again hard on Monday. And then you play Tuesday. I mean, we got to have some recovery right now and stuff. So you have to be smart about this time of year. You want your guys peaking and, and, uh, and playing, playing uh, not tired. Yeah, uh, and the players are pretty excited about this day off today. More on that in a moment. Before, uh, Jeff, uh, help me out with something here because you're in those press conferences afterwards. And uh, this morning I was looking at uh, Thomas Jones' uh, story on the game and it talked about uh, how if if the Longhorns, and we, we've talked about this earlier even in, in this hour, uh, with the road games in Waco and Fort Worth, if they at least split those games they'll have a chance when they host Kansas to claim at least a share of the conference crown for the first time since 2008. Mm-hmm. And then and then his next line, uh, what TJ wrote was, but interim Texas head coach Rodney Terry wasn't in a mood to talk about Kansas or any other team not immediately next on the schedule. And the quote was, Kansas has had a great year, but the last time, last time I checked, we're playing Baylor on Saturday. This group of Texas players does a great job of attacking what's in front of us. That's what we have to do against an elite team on Saturday. Who's asking him about Kansas? No, I I think it was, and I'm not asking you to throw anybody into the bus, right? But, no, the, but, but context here. The question was the question was just his thoughts on the Big Twelve title race because it looks like it's coming down to Texas to and Kansas, team. and what what makes him feel like Texas can push across the finish line and and get this done? You know, win their first conference championship since '08. That's that was the how it was framed, and okay. it's not exact. You know, that's not verbatim, but that was the gist of it. So it wasn't you who asked the question. It was not me. No, <laughs> I asked about. I asked about offensive rebounding, something yeah. team chemistry related. I don't remember what all I asked. I asked two or three questions. I'm I'm sure folks uh, asked about Tyrese Hunter. So let's hear this real quick. Uh, the conversation that uh, I had with Tyrese after the ball game. Got the big ice wrap on the wrist. How's the wrist? Oh, the wrist is good. Um, you know, just fighting through a little, you know, adversity. But, you know, I've been fighting through adversity the whole year, um, you know, battling through a couple of injuries. But, you know, I don't take it personal with me. It ain't going to affect the team with me. So, you know, those guys keep me up, keep me uplifted. So, I'll be good. Whenever players have the type of start that you had tonight, uh, folks automatically say, wow, what's a laser focus, this and that. In this particular situation against this particular team i'm sure folks would be uh, more inclined to ask you about that even more but i know you take each game with the same type of focus what what was going through your mind when you took the floor tonight uh just be aggressive um just be myself you know don't overthink anything you know do whatever i can to win and i feel like that started off on being um defense you know just holding those guys you know to how many wherever we hold them tonight but that started on the defensive end and everything transferred over on the offensive end 
how important was that to hold for everybody to hold the fort on the defensive end when things weren't as smooth on the offensive end at the start of the second half? Oh, it's, it's important because, you know, um, that's what we kind of hang our hat on. You know, uh, we're a defensive team. Um, every day in practice, it's all we work on, and that's our identity that we want to establish. So uh, for us guys to take a personal and have each other backs is big for us. How big is it to have a day off tomorrow? Oh, it's big for us because <laughs> they give us a day off and a full day off. So a full day off is pretty good for us. You know, we get to chill, but we still be in the gym chilling. You know, we trying to, you know, win the whole thing. So we all be in there getting extra work. Yeah, that's that's nice to hear. But I, I'm glad that, that, that Tyrese delineated the two, uh, you know, uh, Jeff. There's a day off and there's a full day off mm-hmm. you know where you're not no there's no film there's you know just guys who, who might need some treatment will come in but other than that complete day off yeah that's what so you know, that, that's what rt told us last night there'll be some tyrese i'm sure will be at the facility today getting some treatment but yeah. other than that it's no unless you want to it's no no mandatory basketball stuff today that's why Tyrese tagged that by saying, ah, some will be in the gym getting some <laughs> shots up, you know, that kind of stuff. All right, uh, we need a break. When we come back, we'll have Inconceivable. Uh, next hour, speaking of Inconceivable, have you seen this number? I, the only reason why I ask you this, Jeff, is because you work with this man every week, our good friend Matt Butler, who who's there to uh, produce the Blitz podcast with you and, and Rod B. Have you seen his number on Brock Cunningham? Yes. Have, have you seen that's, Matt's it, been it, keeping me updated on that throughout the year. It's yeah, and he just updated it this morning, and we'll get to that next hour. It's a mind-boggling number. I I, I said it on the air last night, and then it, it and there was some response on Twitter about it. Some folks were like, "What now?" And and so we'll we'll get to that uh, coming up. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM twelve sixty, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable, inconceivable. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Ah, well, it's a variety of things because we're going to start off with Jeff Howe, who has his own inconceivable item yeah, to contribute. I said that there's a uh, an inconceivable involving uh, sports uh, sports memorabilia yeah. and one of your good friends. Uh, Craig Miller, who you've known for a long time. Absolutely. Has a card up for auction in the latest Heritage auctions. Heritage has a, a huge lot of sports cards for one of their winter auctions. I think it's running from the 25th through the 26th. You can go to uh, HA.com and, and check that out. But it is a – he apparently – I heard him telling the story. He apparently got this card. It was a freebie pack from Panini a few years ago, and he just never opened it. Opened it a few months ago. Uh, and it was a, a Zion Williams rookie autograph from the Contenders Optic Series, which is a pretty high-end product. Uh, wow. He sent it off to PSA. It came back at Gem Mint 10. Uh, it's numbered. The card is numbered out of 49. The current bid on it is $3,000. And based on how whatever the bid ends, uh, Craig plans on splitting that money three different ways between three different charities. So, Oh, very nice. Yeah. But so you can go I to did, Heritage Auctions and, and check out that Zion Williamson card. I didn't even know Bubba was a collector. Oh, by the way, the, the Bubba thing, uh, you know, everybody that listens to Ticket Em Dallas, they know him as Junior. Mm-hmm. You know, Junior uh, Mike Reiner gave him that nickname years ago because of the old, the former tight end from Nebraska and the Atlanta Falcons, Junior Miller. He gave him that tight end, uh, that, that nickname, Junior. Prior to that, when we all worked together at KRLD, we had at one point three Craigs in the building. Uh, <laughs> Craig Miller. Myself and Craig James, we were all working together. Oh, you Craig worked, with, you worked with Craig James, huh? I trained him on the talk show. Did not train him on, you know, um, 
uh, how you various and sundry things. <laughs> yes, did not train him in his political. Uh, uh, you know. So basically, what you're saying is we can blame Mike Reiner for Skip Bayless, and we can blame you for Craig James. That's basically what you're saying right now. If you must, but he, he, it was, I was my point. My uh, responsibility was to train him to do a talk show, which I did. There you go. Uh, but our boss said to us at the time, "We have three Craigs," and he looked at me and he said, "You've been here the longest. You get to keep your name." He looked at, at Craig James and said, "What do you want to go?" We start calling him CJ. Then he looked at Craig Miller and said, "What should we call you?" And he said, "Bubba." That's what people call. Him. <laughs> Anybody knows Craig Miller? See, he looks like anything but a Bubba. Yes, As he was a cyclist for a while. Uh, is a, you know a real fitness uh, guy, uh, great guy, and and at the, uh, doesn't at the look right, like a Bubba. But. Weirdly, at the right angle, a uh, a Beto O'Rourke doppelganger. If you yeah, he could be that. Kind of look at him the right way. He, he, he could be that. Yeah, absolutely he could be that. Anyway, so I did not know he was a collector. So here's a collector item for you. Um, this is not sports memorabilia, but uh, it is a letter, a long-lost letter from George Washington. So this really would have been Man. better served with me talking about this yesterday, coming off President's Day, or Monday, uh, coming off President's Day. But this is a long-lost letter from George Washington. It's not just a letter from George Washington. It's a letter where he's lamenting how he's financially strapped. And this is in 1787, you know, right before he's elected president. Uh, He writes of his need to sell land and raise money. He began corresponding with Israel Shreve, a retired colonel, who wanted to use a form of credit to buy a 1,644-acre tract of land in western Pennsylvania, but Washington insisted on selling the land for cash. Uh, so he needs the money. Well, <clears throat> if if you have money to spend, you can uh, get it uh, on auction. Yeah, have you heard of the Rab Collection Auction House? No. Uh, R-A-A. Well, th- that would make sense because they specialize in historical documents. Okay. Uh, like but I know Sotheby's this, and Christie's. Yes. And, yeah. Heritage, all those famous right. They're expecting this letter to fetch at least fifty thousand dollars. That's that's cool stuff, especially like if it's you know obviously you can find presidential letters that tie to some historical event, but stuff like that that's kind of off the grid a little bit. That's yeah. that kind of stuff fascinates me. Yeah, I thought I thought you would I thought you would find that interesting off of that like George if you found, Washington letter. Yeah, like if you found a letter like the Teddy Roosevelt wrote and a quest for, yeah. like, the perfect Cuban sandwich or something. Like, that would yes. be really interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good way to describe it. Um, okay. Um, we've heard Speak that, remember softly the episode? and eat a Cuban sandwich. That's what it should have yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, um, you remember the episode of Seinfeld where Elaine tested positive because of eating the poppy seed uh Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, in a memo published yesterday, the Undersecretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness, Gilbert Cisneros Jr., warned uh, service members that eating poppy seeds could result in a failed drug test. He said the military departments had hereby directed to notified service members to avoid consumption of all poppy seeds. That includes bagels, muffins, rolls, and baked goods. New data shows some poppy seeds varieties, quote, may have higher codeine contamination than previously reported. Hey, now. And consumption of poppy seed products could cause 
a codeine-positive urinalysis result and undermine the department's inability to identify illicit drug use. So, you know that yeah. the Seinfeld episode is how I knew that uh, poppy seeds could cause you to pop positive on a test. Yeah, that's where you learned it, right? That's exactly where I learned it. <laughs> okay, so so you got to be got to be careful uh, on that, especially if you're in the military about eating anything with a poppy seed. It could be a it could be a problem on that. Uh, other things, I, you know, I enjoy a good bagel every now and then, and I enjoy it with a cup of coffee. But here's something you need to know about Starbucks. Starbucks is rolling out a new line of beverages. I'm trying to remember, Cam. Are you? Uh, did, did we have this conversation? Are you a Starbucks guy? Do you do you go yeah. for Starbucks? Okay. Which, I'm not which anti are, Starbucks. Okay. Do you have a drink, a beverage of choice, a latte, a mocha, or a frappuccino, anything like that specifically you like uh, from Starbucks? Usually just either cold brew, ice americano, or the occasional unicorn frappe. There you go. Okay. What's, what's right, in see. a unicorn frappe, Cam? I think just diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one way to describe that, it. I wonder if that's that concoction my daughter had last time we went to Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it could be. I don't, I don't know uh, if they well, still now, actually make it. It was like a one-time seasonal thing, kind of like the shamrock shake with okay. McDonald's. Yeah. She got some kind of, I don't know, hers, hers was like some kind of passion fruit or something. I don't remember. But anyway, okay. proceed, Greg, yeah. sorry. Yeah. The, uh, no, that's all right. Uh, Starbucks is rolling out a new line of beverages made with, are you ready? Extra virgin olive oil. Now, to be clear. Just for people who are constipated? Are not, <laughs> They're not simply flavored with olive oil, nor do they even have just a hint in it. Each one is truly made with a spoonful of oil. And that one spoonful, by the way, adds 120 calories to the total. So be advised of that. Now, with some drinks, you might be able to see this little slippery sheen of oil in the cup, and, and you don't even have to squint. Three olive oil beverages available for sale at Starbucks uh, are in Italy starting this week. Each includes oleato, the Starbucks word for the new line in its name. There's an oleato latte with oat milk and olive oil. That sounds like Je- Jeff would be in line to get one of those. You know what happens uh, if, you, if you consume too much oil, Craig? Yeah, I be, know. Be I taking know. the Browns to the Super Bowl in short order. <laughs> they also have an, an oleato ice shaken espresso with oat milk hazelnut flavor and olive oil and then there here you go cam they have the oleato golden foam cold brew made with that starbucks sweet milk foam infused with two olive oil servings versions of those drinks will arrive in southern california this spring with more details about the u.s launch to come they'll roll out in other markets in the uk middle east and japan this year so starbucks today you know we're just trying to Tweak our menu. Uh, Brady olive Brewer oil? with olive oil in it. Brady Brewer is the chief marketing officer. Does that qualify for one of uh, Rod Baber's shady names? That's the Brady fir- Brewer. first letter. First letter, the first name and last name. Yep. A little bit alliterative there. Uh, Brady Brewer is their chief marketing officer. He said it's one of the biggest launches we've had in decades. Rather than a flavor or a product, it's really a platform, meaning that customers will be able to use olive oil to customize some drinks. That just sounds like somebody coming up and going, hey, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. Shh, 
Don't say it out loud. Everybody will want one. Got a feeling Not you're really. about to be able to buy Starbucks stock on the uh, on the dip here. <laughs> so they're trying something there. All right. First hour of the show in the books. We're in tower number two, and we'll continue coming up here with more. Light the tower on the horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com. 